I like your background. Mine or dad? Uh, senior. Yeah, yeah that's uh, an AR got that his, from a couple years ago. Got his book posterized. Yeah, that's the first book. That's the one I'm on. Right? There you go. How far did you make it? I'm on 17. Page 17 or chapter? Yeah, page, page, <laughs> page 17. He can only read so much during taking a crap. I was like, yeah, I'll be able to get through this in like two, three days. Mm-hmm. It's like, that, that's as far as I got in like three days. It's like writing. You have to discipline yourself to do at least a page. But no, this is this is a good read. I've enjoyed it uh, so far. I wish I could have got through oh. the entire the entire book, but we're not gonna we're not gonna give the book away. We're just gonna talk high level details. Yeah, we're talking about stuff I want to talk about anyway. So let's let's get into it. Okay, let's do this. All right, all right, all right, all right lead heads. We are back with another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. Coming at you in the new month of what is this May? January, February, March, April, May. It is. May 1st today as we... No, it's the 2nd, actually. Uh, So we're two days into it as we're recording this. Uh, So reference to our content that we're talking about, anything current event-wise, you can put a date to it. Uh, But we're going to have a very great show today, very interesting show. I've been looking forward uh, to this show. And uh, if you're clicking stuff with your gun, stop it, Pierce. (laughs) (laughs) It picks up all background noises, so fidgeting noises. Uh, Today, Leadheads, we're going to be talking about uh, William Johnston Taylor is our special guest today, and he is an author, and he's written a series of books, uh, fiction books, with the uh, key figure of Jake Storm, and it focuses in on human trafficking. And uh, we're going to find out uh, some background about Mr. Taylor and uh, Mr. Taylor's son, Pierce Taylor, you guys have probably heard me mention his name several times on the show. He is a leadhead. He's a listener, a supporter of the show. And um, uh, he came to me and let me know that his dad was uh, was doing this, and I was very interested. And Mr. Taylor was kind enough to send me his books, and I really appreciate it because I'm hooked. I got to tell you, I am, I am really hooked on... Uh, the first book here, and he's got two more in the series as well, and I've got those here, um, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to find out more about Mr. Taylor, and uh, we're going to talk about the books, but before we do that, we got to uh, do a little business with our sponsors and thank Keltec, Keltec Weapons, sponsors of the Talking Lead podcast. Uh, if you guys get an opportunity you're looking for some good gifts or just some good uh, EDC kit and gear, you can go to their pro shop at keltechweapons.com. Use the code LEADHEAD, and you're going to get 15% off anything uh, in their pro shop. No firearms. Firearms are not uh, included in that. And they don't sell firearms. And somebody upset because they don't get a discount on firearms? Is it? <laughs> I hear in the background there. Uh, but anything else, they've got cool flashlights. You've got all kinds of different colors in these, and they've got uh, another version of this that doesn't have the little trigger button down at the bottom. Uh, but they've got those. They've got their hats and shirts and 
the accessories for if you've got a, a KSG, you got a sub 2000, they've got cases and slings and all kinds of cool accessories that are in that pro shop too that you can use that discount code on. Keltechweapons.com. Did you see the uh, the post I did with the PLR? Yeah, that's pretty sweet. You know, the uh, Jake Storm's home base and uh, these books is about 20 minutes from Caltech's location. Well, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I caught that. So, yeah, we're going to talk yeah. about that also. But I have done some modifications to my PLR 16 Midwest Industries, which we had Troy uh, from Midwest Industries on the last episode. And um, we talked about, what did we talk about? Oh, we were doing lever guns. We were talking about lever guns. Lever guns. Mm-hmm. Um, which I went to an auction. <laughs> I went to an auction this uh, last couple of days. And they had like, I don't know, I would say 10 Marlins, Winchesters, uh, Henry's lever mm-hmm. action guns that were on the the auction block and people were just paying ridiculous prices and that's something i want to talk about when we get to our jack wagon train so remind me to bring that for up. sure um but yeah so price PLR, price gougers i've got my stealth project suppressor um y'all have seen me make posts on uh, social meds about my new stealth project suppressor uh, i'm going to take it out i haven't tried it yet but this is one of the guns i'm going to try it on is the plr 16 i've got um this will go, you know, it's a multi-cal, so I can try a different, different one. 762-308. How long were you waiting on that? So that took me a, about a year to get that out of jail. So uh, I visited it a couple of times. You know, I got conjugal visits. <laughs> yeah, I have a, uh, a Dead Air Sandman S um, that I put the Form 4 in for November without realizing that one month later they'd be opening up e-forms. Yeah. Well, so I'll supposed be waiting to be... a year when, if I had waited a month, it could have been 90 days. Yeah, so it's supposed to be like three months now is, is as long as it's supposed to take, which I don't understand how, like you said, you know, if I waited a month, what's the difference? <laughs> mm-hmm. I might have a, uh, a jack wagon in that regard, too. Yeah, I think we'd probably find a couple in that. So go check out uh, Keltec, and uh, we still got that episode with Chad that we're going to be doing, talking about their new 9mm, the P15, and uh, I still hadn't got it yet, so I got no got no input on it yet. Uh, Mission First Tactical, go uh, use the code LEADHEAD at Mission First Tactical, and you can get 20% off anything at Mission First Tactical. They've got their cool 30-round magazines, AR magazines, where you can get custom uh, graphics, we could get your cover, cover your book put on there, Bill. There you go. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. So we can, we can do that. I got one there. This is one I'm not supposed to show, so y'all didn't see that. That's <laughs> that's a test. So you can get all kinds of cool things put on your 30 round. And they've got AR-10 magazines now, so you can uh, you can get your uh, 308 mags there. And then, of course, the awesome dump trays. I think I got one handy here. The cool dump trays. I use them for armorers trays. This is this is an older an older model. The ones they have now yeah. are a lot thicker than these. Uh, it's but, like a two piece now too. Yeah, yeah. They went all 
I just liked them like this. I thought they were cool just like this, but then they went all fancy and did like a two-layer thing on them. I've got them all stacked up there on my shelf up there. You can see them underneath the 308. There you go. So. Oh, yeah. Um, but we'll be giving away these on the AK corner. I don't have any to give away today, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, I think we gave enough away last episode. How many how many prizes did we give away last episode, Pierce? It's like the last ten hats last you're wearing. AK one of them was you're wearing one yeah. of yours right there. There's yeah, a third pin hat right there. Third pin hat, but oh, at least ten things. Yeah, well, there's more than that. We gave away seal one. We gave away mission first tactical. We gave away five hats, five safety, mm-hmm. um, AK safety things from uh, Dissident Arms. Right, and there was something else we gave away. I can't remember what it was. But yeah. yeah. Did you get a chance to play with those safeties at uh, Clash Bash? Uh, I probably did. I don't remember it. So I'll have to, if I get to go okay. this year, then I'll uh, I'll definitely try them out. Did you get one of the yeah, safeties? really cool. No, you got you got the hat. No, I got, I got the hat. No, but I played with the safety at, uh, at Clash Bash. You basically flex your hand and it engages it. It's a really cool feature. Yeah. So we'll get more, we'll get more coverage of that uh, once Clash Bash gets here later on in the year. Uh, and then... You know, that brought up something else you were talking about I wanted to, to bring up is the giveaway. You know, we're giving away that optic from uh, Primary Arms. Primary Arms. And uh, do you remember what all the specs were on that optic? Uh, not off the top of my head. It's the G2X. Ugh, I can't remember. Let me see uh, if I can find it here. It's got such a long description of what it is. I just say it's a... It's like a three hundred and almost a four hundred dollar optic that we're giving away. Right. And the last episode and the episode before that, I gave you clues on what you needed to do to to get registered to do that. And surprisingly, there's only like ten people that have done it. I'd like I to have see to wait a little until more participation. Pierce gets sick of his uh, optics before I get new ones. You get the hand me downs. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he built me a rifle. In fact, I think it's someplace around here. He built me a AR that's absolutely incredible with Marine Corps acid etched Marine Corps emblems in oh, it. Oh, nice! Is that the one behind yeah, you? I actually, yep. Yeah, hey, there it is. Hey, I told you it was around here someplace. Speak of the devil, <laughs> there it is. That is a nice one. And you built that, Pierce? Yeah, I built it actually. Um, I lived in Orlando for a while and had a buddy who was tight with the guys um, down at Spikes. And so I actually went and was able to uh, picket their their blim piles and oh, got a nice. blim barrel, blim upper receiver, checked it all out. Could not tell. There was, couldn't even see where the supposed blim was. But, um, yeah, they they went you know crazy and put the uh, EGA on it and uh, marked it all up, USMC, for dad. Very nice. Yeah, it looks really, really, really nice. I like it. Is that a pistol? Is that a no? It's a full rifle. That's a full rifle. Okay, very cool. We'll take that thing out and shoot it. Bring it up to Nashville when you guys come to Royal Range, and uh, we'll we'll run it. It'll be a good time. Definitely. So we're talking about doing uh, another uh, AK course at Royal Range. I was talking with Art the other day, and uh, there there is interest there, and I've talked with. Our good buddy, uh, Jared, I was going to call him Jason. It's Jared. 
Jared Seagraves, who is now with Haley Strategic. Uh, I think okay. he's he's interested, and then possibly even uh, we might have tactical response there. We might get James Yeager and do some uh, do some training on an AK course. So I want to see the level of interest from you leadheads. So if that's something that you're interested in, I don't have dates or anything yet. So if we do it, we're looking at maybe uh, later this year or maybe the first uh, first part of uh, next year, sometime like after Shot Show or something. Um, but if that's something that you're interested in, uh, I'm just trying to get a pulse right now. Email me, talkingled at gmail.com. Let me know if that's something that you'd be interested in, uh, and then I will definitely put effort into it to try to put put something together, like we did the last one, uh, which was a really good course. And uh, uh, I really enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it, too. I know the people that attended did, too. I think we had somewhere around, I don't know, like 20, 20 or 30 people. Uh, that showed up for that. I'm so. still kicking myself for not going. Oh, you should have, man. It was a, it was a really good one. We had Brian Keeney there, and he did a little side class. Uh, we did it like in groups. So one group was out on the range shooting, and we had one group in, and we were doing armorers, like an armorers course for AKs. And he was giving tips and tricks on cleaning and disassembling and reassembling and tools and, and all kinds of stuff. So it was, it was a really, really fun uh, course. And then we – had some giveaways and things that we were doing. And if I put this one on, we're going to actually uh, get vendors there too. I'm going to have vendors. So we'll have probably lots of giveaways. Uh, awesome. For this and for the people who attend to to do the class. But I think we're going to open it up to the public. So people who don't take the course can still come, hang out, um, you know, mess around with the vendors, shoot their guns uh, on the range. But of course, the funnest part's going to be, you know, taking the the course if we put that on. So, talking about yeah, gmail.com. Yeah, let me know if you're interested in us putting on another AK Concepts uh, course here in uh, Nashville. So, I wanted to get that out there before we get started. Uh, and then, of course, Seal One. You guys go check out Seal One, and uh, that's the first thing that I did with this thirty uh, thirty Winchester. This is a 1964. It's it's not the pre sixty fours, which that's the you know seems to be the ones that everybody's after. Uh, I mean these are just as good and solid. Um, I think there's some like internal parts that are different is what the difference is. They I think they went with instead of using like a solid metal or a different kind of metal on some of the uh, the screws and pins and things. Uh, but this one was in really good shape. But after I ran my seal one CLP. Uh, really cleaned it up and it looks great now. Hey, Leadheads, White Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio based, non toxic product. It comes in a paste, liquid, aerosol, and pre saturated bore specific patches called Seal Skins. They all do the same thing, just different methods of application. The best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. And there's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal 1 CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm inside and out, bore, barrel, everything with the Seal 1 CLP Plus. You'll see how easy it spreads around. You'll want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes. Then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. 
we're going to pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings. So I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot, just normal usage before the Seal One CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet. And after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference. And with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal One CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such. You will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal One CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal One CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites, polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one and done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say Seal One and Done. Seal One is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code Leadhead for a 25% off discount. So is that the side mount scope? No, this has well, you've got the pins where you could uh, Is it tapped already? Oh yeah. So I love the look of that metal. It's like slightly patinaed. Yeah, it's got you know, the blue has has worn off of it. It's got a nice patina mm-hmm. to it. But I haven't Gorgeous, shot it. Though. Haven't shot it yet. I'm waiting on Pete to uh, start cranking out that thirty thirty ammo so i can uh so i can try it out uh but i got my dad's also so my dad's was a i think it said it was a 74 i think it was a 1974 um and i can't tell really any difference in the two you know looking at everything looks pretty much identical Uh, so but i'm gonna take them out i'll do a video Uh, we'll probably do another uh, follow-up because we did the lever action, was it the last episode? I think we talked about let, the lever action. Yeah. Um, so, but that's uncharted territory for me. So I, that kind of got the bug going, and as you can see, it really, it really clicked. So I went, "Don't tell Tia." <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna Are we gonna start seeing a cowboy corner segment? I don't know. We we might, or it might just be. Le- I mean, really, the lever gun is really the only thing that that in that era. I mean, I like the wheel guns, but I don't like them that well, but you never Not know yet. what, it, you never know what it's going to lead to. You know, one thing leads to another. So I never thought I'd get into AKs. Like I got into AKs. Yeah. You just never know what's going to click, but uh, I am really digging the lever guns. So two Winchesters now. So we'll keep tabs and see how many start adding up. Maybe I'll get a Henry. Maybe I'll get a Marlin, <laughs> but that's something I want to talk about. So let's do that now. Let's, uh, Go, go support a sponsor, Seal One. Go to SealOne.com. Use the code LEADHEAD, 25% off. Um, and then I've got more that we'll give you toward the end of the show. Uh, and if you're watching the video, I usually have like a scroller with uh, the websites and the codes and everything like that. So if you watch the video, check that out. And I have caught up on the videos. I know I was like four or five behind. Now I'm just, I just, I'm just one behind. I don't have the lever action episode up yet, but I'm in the process of getting that done. So that'll get me caught up. Uh, just right behind this episode. So if you like the videos, go check those out too. And usually I edit a little different, the videos versus the, the podcast. There's always something in one that you're not going to hear in the other. So go check them out. Let's do the jack wagon train. And then we want to get into talking more about 
Mr. Taylor, your books, get a little bit of your history, your background, find out more about you coming up. But uh, Gunny, bring that train in and let's take care of some jack wagons. Hey, Ralph, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, the train has stationed. And you guys want me to get the ball rolling on this this jack wagon train, or you guys got somebody in mind you want to throw on? Um, I mean, if you got one fired up, go ahead. All right. So, as I said, I went to a, a gun auction uh, this past weekend here in Tennessee. It's a town called Columbia. And uh, I guess it was like an estate sale, or there had, I mean, one person couldn't have owned all these guns. So, it, I think it might have been several different estates but uh as you can see here i've got a i've got a page and it's front and back of guns and it's legal paper that's how many guns they had at this and that's probably nothing for some of these auctions that maybe some of you guys have been to but it went on it started at 10 and i think it was over at like three three o'clock and they were just going one gun after the other boom 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 and they had some other stuff they threw in uh, but I got there a little bit late, and I got there, I don't know, I probably missed about 20 guns, but there were there were Skies, Sky 9mm, Rugers, Taurus, um, nothing that I was really interested in, and I don't think anybody else, was, a Smith & Wesson M&P Shield, but I was writing down the prices, because I wanted to know you know, compare it to what, you know, if I were just go buy one new or whatever or off the internet, compare it, compare it to that. So, for instance, a Glock 36 45 ACP at auction, how much do you think it went for? Over five for sure. You, you think over five? Yeah. What do you think, Mr. Taylor? I'd say probably uh, somewhat over five. Okay. It went for five fifty. Okay. Uh, auction. That's like you could go and buy that off the shelf price. Yeah, you could go buy that anywhere. <laughs> and there are I found other places online that you could get them for less than that. You could get them for like four ninety nine. It's That's, not even a desirable model really anymore. Yeah, the Glock thirty six forty five ACP went for five fifty. The next gun was a six hour P three three sixty five. Nine millimeter box unfired, so practically you know brand new gun. How much do you think it went for? Six fifty. What do you think, Mister Taylor? Yeah, I would say probably less than six. Okay. Pierce was closed six seventy five, <laughs> and I looked them up, and all day long you can get them for five ninety nine. Right, they had them at my local gun store the other day for I think. Five seventy nine. Oh wow, even better. So yeah, five ninety nine or less, you could go pick one of these. Six seventy five. Somebody paid for it at auction. And this is early in the auction. You know, wow. it's, it's not like you know people have already got their their bid and favor going or anything like that. Um, and it wasn't like touched by any celebrity or anything, was it? No. Nothing special about it. No. Mm-mm. Hmm. No, it didn't have anything extra with it. It might have had an extra magazine, but I think they come with one anyway, don't they? Uh, Sig was doing something weird for a while where they'd give you one magazine with the 365s and then a voucher that you um, 
that you had to send off for another one and they sent you one in the mail. Um, yeah. but they're supposed to come with two. Yeah. A Smith and hmm. Wesson six twenty nine, six and a half inch barrel, forty four mag. It's a revolver. How much you think it went for? Fourteen hundred. Really? Fourteen hundred. What about you, Mr. Taylor? I'm not familiar with it, but uh Yeah, I wasn't real familiar with it either. What? So it went for a thousand, probably thousand twenty five is what it okay. went for. I looked it Brilliant. up, and they were going anywhere from eight hundred to nine hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. Um, I didn't look this one up. Let's see. Here's one somebody might have got a good deal on: a Remington nineteen eleven R one, which I used to have one of those, and I think I paid like. 500 and something when I got mine brand new. Maybe 600. I don't even think I paid that much. But I understand prices have gone up a little bit. So what do you think a Remington 1911 R1 45 caliber went for? Probably right around a grand. Think so? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. 725. And hmm. I looked them up and they were going for 799. So they actually got a little deal there, I would think. Okay. But... So then let's get into some of these. So they had uh, a Norinco was up on the, the auction block. SKS, Norinco SKS. How much do you think <laughs> it went for? An SKS now. Yeah. Which those were going for, what? 300 bucks before three, the pandemic? 400, yeah, before, before all this. I'd say probably nine. You want to give a guess, Mr. Taylor? Yeah, I'd say probably 750. Bam, you nailed it. <laughs> Sold for seven fifty, uh, and then I was finding them for six fifty, around six fifty or less. I, you know, I saw some that were for they might not have been in as good condition as this one. This one was in fairly good condition, and it had the bayonet. Um, okay, but I've been seeing them. For I don't like, think you can find. I don't think you can find Mosins for under like four ninety nine right now. No, they're yeah, those are those are hot. Mosins are hot. Uh, they had an International Harvester M one. And they had a Springfield M1 Grand. How much do you think the International Harvester uh, M1762, and it came with a hard case. It wasn't like an original hard case or anything. It just had like an aftermarket hard case with it. 2400 $2,000. $1,950. $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1,
Um, and I don't know what those went for because I wasn't there, so I didn't write that down. So there was a Tommy gun. They had a Tommy gun, and it huh. had stick mag and drum mag with it. And I think it was unshot. It was an auto ordnance 1927 A145 with drum and box. One drum? Yeah, one drum. And I think it had a stick magazine too. Is that like the uh, the historical version or one of the uh, the more recent um, kind of, I don't know if it's be clone, considered a clone, but they do have kind of modern manufactured ones. Yeah, I wasn't, uh, I don't think it was an original. It says 1927 right here, but I think that's just like what it was modeled Maybe after. Maybe a model? I'm not sure. Al Capone signed it. Yeah. <laughs> How much do you think it went for? Yeah. Probably a Jeez. couple grand. Oh, I'd say more than that. Yeah, probably close to five. It went for 3300 hmm. which I looked those up, and some of the places I saw you could buy two for that price. Yeah. Wow. You have a selector, do you know? Like a full auto? No, it wasn't full auto. No, no, it would it would be thirty three thousand or more if it was full or more, yeah. <laughs> if it was a full auto, yeah, definitely. So that yeah, those transferable machine guns are crazy expensive. And so the point I'm getting to, and some of those lever actions were going for, like there was two Winchester Model ninety four thirty thirties. Um, what do you think that went? What do you think those went for? I'm not going to tell you what I, I paid. Don't know. For do you mine. want to dis- do you want to disclose what you paid? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I paid for mine. But I'll tell you what one of them yeah. what one of them went for and I didn't pay I didn't pay that for mine. Yeah. Went for $950. Okay. Uh there was a Marlin 30 a 336 3030. It went for 725. I got one of those, in the safe. <laughs> got one of those from a bought it from a buddy a couple years ago for 200 bucks. Right? You know, that's what I, I thought, you know, you could, you get lever yeah. actions for, you know, two, three hundred bucks, but yeah, do You know, when we did that I episode got mine from JC Penny for like $60 oh my God. back in the seventies. Do you still yeah, have it? Really? They made a big mistake. Do you still have it? I bought 10 of them. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a hundred dollars. No, it's, it's probably sitting right there behind Pierce someplace. I love it. I love going off flanking with it. It's got a scope on it. And with the Marlin, you know, you can mount it on the top. Mm-hmm. You have to worry about the slide. Yeah. I saw, I did a little research and I saw where this guy has made a non drill Picatinny rail that you can add to the top. And it like would, clamps on, right? Um, so you remove the dovetail, and he's mm-hmm. got a little piece that goes in there that. I guess secures it, and then he's got a little screw that you go down and and uh, secure it in there. And then there's a front, like screw clamp toward the front of it. And then the the thing that goes on the side is like a is like a clamp. You tight tighten it down, mm-hmm. um, and it goes just right right in this area is where it clamps down. So it doesn't impede <laughs> with the top ejection or anything. But it goes from yeah. from here to right about here. So it would be hard to mount like a a scope, but you could put, you know, a red dot or 
a light or something like that on there. But I thought that was kind of cool because that's something I don't want to do is yeah. get into drilling into uh, into my rifles. And I really wish... Well, especially not one from the 60s there. Yeah, I really wish Steve at Mad Pig did Winchesters because <laughs> I, I, would, I would love to send him my dad's and have my dad's um, modernized. Well, if we get the uh, lead heads to bug them enough, maybe it will. Well, we'll see. I mean, he's got enough business, I guess, with the Marlins and Henrys that he's doing. That, um, and I don't know if if uh, I forgot to ask Troy if his because Midwest Industries makes the handguards, the the lock yeah. handguards for him. And I I didn't uh, I can't remember if he said that they fit on Winchesters or not. I but, think you did ask, and I don't think. I don't think they do um, because I know the model of Marlin that I have is not the model that those, uh, those rails fit on. Okay. Um, there's, I can't, I, I can't remember the, off the top of my head, the model numbers, but I remember there are in the 3030 that I had, there was, there's two, one did, one did not. And I ended up with the one that did not. There was a Henry big boy, 3030 lever that went for 900. And there's a Marlin, 336A3030 with a scope went for 900. I mean, I, I guess I can see it because it came with a scope, but it wasn't like mm -hmm. a, a high dollar scope, I don't think. Was it like a, a white tail from, uh, from Walmart? It's probably it on there. It looked like one that, you know, how they sell them. PBC from Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> you know how they sell them as packages, you know, rifles with the scopes, kind of, and it's usually a, yeah. a cheaper, like, Nikon or something. I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, what scope was on it, but 900 bucks for that. And then another one that I was interested in, there was an Inland M1 carbine, 30 caliber carbine. How much do you think it went for? Inland. Probably around the same as that uh, American Harvester. What do you think? I'm not that familiar with it, so it went for fourteen hundred. Okay. Huh. Which and it was in really great shape too. It was in really really good shape. I was expecting it to go for more than what I wanted to pay. Same thing with the Grands, but you never know. Mm -hmm. So I was you know I was there hoping that something that somebody wasn't looking for or interested in, but they just happened to be same thing with the lever guns too. There was people there that knew and wanted those. And, but that was the one when mine came up, it wasn't on the original list. So I thought they were done. And then I was going through the list and it was toward the end of the auction. That, and I was like, Oh shoot, there's another one. And a lot of people had left by then. So I got lucky. <laughs> Yeah. Those guys that were interested in them earlier uh, had left, and so I got a, mm -hmm. I got a really good deal on mine. But you know, yeah, Marvel's so, taught us not to leave before the credits are over. Exactly. You know they conditioned us well. But that's kind of you know my jack wagon. Are these people that are overpaying, like way overpaying, where you could go and you know you could buy, you know like some of these you could go and buy two for what they were paying. KSG shotgun right. went for eight hundred bucks, which. You know, eight hundred bucks for KSG. You could like the Glock. You could go pretty much anywhere if you can find them, I guess, and get you a yeah. KSG. 
Yeah, I think those are going for about seven fifty, brand new off the shelf. Exactly. Sometimes you have like buyers premiums and stuff like that at auctions too. So it makes <laughs> makes it even more. But this people paying these ridiculous prices for stuff. Uh, and there were some other things that I was just like shocked. I couldn't believe that people were paying. There was a Browning Satori Grand Lightning 16 gauge with box. Sold for 2300 bucks. Which I know the Satoris are kind of higher yeah. end and, and you know more sought after. Um, but a 16 gauge? 16 gauge. Yeah. Which, you know, I think so. that's probably kind of rare. Maybe. Um, what was something else that was? They had some. They had some. They had like starter guns, like cap guns, starter guns. People were paying mm-hmm. ninety bucks for them. It's like you can go online and get them for thirty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> People were paying ninety bucks for them. Oh, there was these two. Was this the, no, go ahead. Was this the kind of auction you go to, and they uh, they don't run the background checks? And- no, no, they, maybe that's why people are paying the premium. No, you had to. That's what I was going to no, say. No, it was there was a gun. It was on site at a gun store, so you had to go get the background check before you could leave with your gun. So no, everything was above board, legit. <laughs> the ammo that they sold had tax stamps. Uh, so I know it was a very, very well run auction. They had two Walther PPKS forty four point five millimeter BB guns. Hmm. BB guns. Yeah. And they sold them as a pair, and somebody paid 190 bucks for both of them. We, I looked them up online. You get them for 30 bucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just people just came to spend. Jack wagons, jack wagons. You know, keep people from like yeah. me from being able to buy cool guns, and they're going and paying these ridiculous prices at auctions for them. Uh, you ever wanted to go to that Rock Island auction? Uh, just. Kind of like I want to go to the Barrett auto auction. I know there's nothing that I'm mm-hmm. going to be able to afford or or own, but I would just like to go and, and see it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, same. Just to see all the, the history that's there. So that's my jack wagon. These people at auctions that, that just overpay, that get into the heat of the moment. And so what about you guys? You got any jack wagons? Uh, how about uh, the... ATF and how they rolled out the e-forms a month after I submitted my last form four. <laughs> Perfect timing, right? <laughs> yeah, I heard. Um, I heard some somebody was telling me that if you were to withdraw your form four and try to resubmit it as an e-form, they would arbitrarily add one year to your wait. Really? Mm-hmm. That's that's a jack wagon move. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a citation for that one, but. <sighs> If true, I mean, we don't really need much more reason to throw the uh, the ATF on the jack wagon, but yeah. that's that's a bit annoying. Have you heard any updates on the eighty percent? What's the latest you've heard uh, on those? Well, they they were going crazy on that for three days, and then our news cycle changed, and I haven't heard anything yeah, about heard. it since. I know, I think the open comment period is is open right now so i think you can go ahead and send your your comments into the atf or the what was it the national register and write your senators and your congressmen uh to oppose that 80 percent ban but it's it got quieted up real quick yeah Yeah, i hadn't heard much about it either i think that's probably why they quieted it because they don't want people going and and doing their comments 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about the uh, the pistol brace either because they were gung ho on that for a hot minute, and then everything everything went quiet. Yeah. So yeah, ATF always a good candidate for the jack wagon train. <laughs> they have a permanent seat. I always like going to the gun shows and picking out the ATF agents that are wandering around looking over your shoulder. <laughs> they probably, normally have probably as many as ten agents working gun shows. Oh, there was probably one at this auction. Tag numbers down. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. Somebody said yeah. they have a booth at Shot Show. Uh, ATF? They they might. Yeah, and nobody they had like a table set up. That's brave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good PR, I guess. You got somebody brave enough to go there and take people's the brunt of their disgust. So I've got another one. Uh, you know, Elon. You heard all the news about Elon Musk buying Twitter, and oh, he's yeah. su- supposedly. I mean, I don't know. I've heard rumors he's supposed to like unban people and you know do this, that, and the other. But there's there's this one guy, uh, Mike Lindell. Are you familiar with Mike Lindell, the yes. my my pillow guy? The my pillow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I mean, he looks like a a jack wagon to me. Anyway, he looks like <laughs> he'd be a, a real douchebag. But I mean, he may be a great guy. I don't know. I don't know the guy or anything like he's that. He's kind of an oddball. He seems like it. Yeah, and I think he was... It, the, the, the cross, the crucifix that he wears keeps getting bigger and bigger <laughs> as he gets more and more products to sell. Yeah, he's my pillow, pretty my soon, slippers. Pretty soon he'll have it over his shoulder and he'll be limping down the road someplace in Palestine. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was like... Uh, back in the day, I mean, I think he was a felon. I think he got like busted for drugs or something. I don't know. Anyway... He's, he's, like, like, he's a born-again born Christian, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. multi-millionaire. But anyway, he tried to get back on Twitter. Um, and I guess he heard, you know, Elon was taking over, so I guess he figured that, you know, he was cool to come back on. And he started another account, and then, like, within a day or two after him getting it up, they banned him again. I, I heard he only lasted a couple of hours. Maybe it was just a couple of hours. Yeah. It says the account was quickly banned for violating Twitter's ban evasion policy. So, <laughs> so right. apparently Elon All two pages of it. Elon Musk waited is, a little bit longer. Yeah, apparently Elon Musk is Musk or whatever you say his name is not gone into effect yet. Oh, um, well, I mean they just he announced or he, he made the offer and the board accepted the offer and I'm sure it'll be months until all the paperwork and everything's all the final At takeovers least. are negotiated. Like a, a purchase of a company doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. And then all the policy changes and all that even take even longer. Yeah. To go through. I heard he was going to fire the uh, attorney who, who that attorney supposedly is making $17 million a year. Oh my god! I'm jealous. Seventeen million. <laughs> was she at that auction you were at? <laughs> she was the one driving the prices up. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Six hundred bucks for a sky. Yeah. They get the starter pistols. Yeah the the BB guns. She's probably the yeah. one who paid the hundred ninety dollars for the two BB guns. The Walther PPS. 
Uh, so, uh, Alec Baldwin, you know, I told you guys I was going to keep you updated on Alec Baldwin, what's going on with him. I wasn't going to let this slip through the cracks. Um, apparently, they have released the police body cam footage uh, and uh, interviews and, and whatnot that they were doing with, with him. Haven't really heard much more about that, but they said there was video showing him that he did pull the trigger. So there's there's a picture that came out that it was a picture, uh, I guess maybe a screenshot from something, and it was his finger was on the trigger. Yeah, they were doing on some rehearsals. One, body, yeah, uh, yeah, they were showing the re- rehearsal footage. You know, they were doing like close in pans and he had you know his and he was drawing the gun and yeah his finger was on the trigger now they weren't they didn't show the actual where he shot the two people they didn't show that mm-hmm. they were just showing like the pre i guess prior to that footage uh, so that's still ongoing and it's like there's some more damning evidence there against alec and there's all kinds of lawsuits i mean people are just coming out of the woodworks, the, you know, the props or the crafty people are even suing him. I mean, it's just, it's like anybody and everybody well, it's is the emotional damage. Yeah. It's, those people are jack wagons. It's people like that. It's like it, that affected you in no way, no how did that affect you. And they're the ones that are suing him. I think actually the first person who, who brought suit to him was like a, a makeup artist or something, Make a right? stagehand or something, yeah. Just had nothing to do with it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're an attorney. <laughs> you know how messed Deep up pockets. this legal system is. <laughs> yeah. It's redonkulous. No, it's... That's... Uh, when anything like that happens, if anybody can get a piece, they're going to they're gonna try and at the very least get some sort of settlement out of it. The production has insurance. Alec Baldwin was a producer and a lot of deep pockets there. Yeah. Even though I think it was an independent film. Yeah, but he was one of the producers on it. So his responsibility goes even further than him actually being the person who fired the the gun, discharged the gun. Yeah. From a civil liability standpoint, but you know, jury's out on the criminal stuff. We'll see. Yeah. Now, criminal, you know, criminally, I don't think there was any intent. I don't think he planned it, or you know, any of that. I don't think that was. I think it was the the armorer. From everything that I've heard, I think it was the armorer's responsibility ultimately, and they're the ones that probably should be should be charged with it because there were some text messages that I that I had read. They were going back with her, and uh, I guess another the guy who who's in charge of the ammo or the guns and she was mm-hmm. she was asking you know what what would it be okay if i fired live rounds you know through this gun and the guy was like he didn't recommend it you shouldn't do it and she basically said i'm going to do it anyway is mm-hmm. you know what the text that i was reading so i think she probably or whoever that was uh, probably was responsible for having the live rounds on uh, on set, but it still remains to be seen. This one's going to be, I think this one's going to be, you know, we're at least a year out probably from hearing anything on this. But anyway, 
So uh, if you've got jack wagons, send them in, talkingletgmail.com. If you got heroes, uh, and I don't have any really heroes. I did have this one story real quick, and I'm not really calling her a hero, but it's a jailbreak that happened in Alabama. So apparently this, uh, this, uh, what, what is she? She was like a, some high official at this prison. Her name is Vicki White. Mm. Oh, I saw something on that. Oh, yeah, right. That's in Georgia. Uh, Is it Georgia or Alabama? Was it Georgia or Alabama? I think it was Alabama. Could have been Alabama. Uh, Yeah, Alabama. The guy she ran off was six foot nine. Six foot nine. How the hell does he hide any place? Right? (laughs) So here's what she did. And and again, I'm not saying she's my hero, but (laughs) she's not not making a hero out of her at all. But... um, so apparently she and this dude had something going on, but uh, she was like, all right. And he was supposed to go to, to, I think, to trial like the next day or two. And she said, I got to take him down to get a mental evaluation for the trial. And that's how she got out of the, the jail with him. Well, she's not supposed to do that you know, by herself. She's supposed to have uh, an escort with her to do that. But apparently she didn't do it. And... That's when they did their getaway, and they parked their car in some like Walmart parking lot, ditched the the police car, got in another car, and they're three sheets to the wind. You know they're gone, and the, mm-hmm. you know they're they're looking for them right now. But this chick was like she was retiring the next day. She what? Yeah, she was. She had already you know made plans to retire. She sold her home, um, moving to the beach. Blah blah blah. So, you know, nobody saw this coming at, you know, just completely out of the blue. Shouldn't uh, be too hard to find him. Just find the car where the guy's with his uh, head out the sunroof. <laughs> yeah, that's a- <laughs> like a big Great Dane. <laughs> six foot nine. He, oh, a big dude. He, he's six foot nine inches tall, weighs approximately 260 pounds. Brown hair, hazel eyes. Casey White is an extremely dangerous person, and we need to get him located and get him off the street, uh, is what they're saying. He was serving a prison sentence for attempted murder and burglary and was set to go to trial next month for stabbing death of a 58-year-old woman, a charge for which uh, he would face the death penalty if convicted. So he is definitely a jack wagon. He definitely needs to face his crime um but the audacity of this vicky white and they're not related his name's casey white she's vicky white um she's 56 and i think he's 38 uh something something like that it says the vehicle carrying the two when they left the detention center was found at a nearby shopping center parking lot according to the sheriff's office the newly discovered surveillance video showing the vehicle at a stoplight minutes after leaving the jail led investigators to believe that they went directly to the parking lot without stopping at the courthouse, which is where they were supposed to do like the mental evaluation. Um, and they said that there was no evaluation scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> so she just flat out lied and ran off with this guy. Or maybe... I don't know. Maybe he had something on her, you know? Maybe he had some guys on the outside that's holding her daughter hostage or something. I mean, who knows? I don't know. 
But sounds to me like she might have got a little smitten with him. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. When you said uh, when you said they're going to the courthouse, I was thinking a uh, one of those courthouse wedding kind of things. Now this sounds like something that'd be right up. Um, and do you want me to call you William or Bill? Bill. Bill's good. Okay. Bill. Anything but late for dinner. You know, with with your background, and let's let's talk about your background. Talk about um, what you did in your prior life. <laughs> this would be a good segue. In I was a. Con- you want a quick, to, to quick run or the uh, one with all the jokes in it? Uh, as detailed as you can you can get with us. Tell us, so our well, listeners, so our I listeners, can get pretty can, detailed as a kid. Okay. Just to give our listeners an idea of your background, what it is that you do, um, you know, when we get into the books as well. But like I was saying, you know, this sounds like something. This this prison escape missing person kind of thing would be kind of your forte, I would think. Yeah. I've seen a few finding people. It's always a possibility. You know, there was a, a double murder case in North Carolina. I worked when I was a CID agent for the Marine Corps. And, uh, I thought for sure I, I arrested the guy that had killed there's a Corrine Laverne, Laverne uh, murder, George Welts or one of her friends. <clears throat> and this guy, there was just no doubt. I mean, I, it would take me an hour to give you the background on it, but there was no doubt in my mind that this guy was the killer to the point where <clears throat> I almost shot him, but I had lost my pistol. They had come out of my belt as I was chasing him across the field. So I nailed him with my handcuffs, brought him in. <clears throat> this guy was guilty, no doubt about it. Went home, went to bed, felt good about myself. About a month later, a guy comes walking into my office, a CID office at Mainside, uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, <clears throat> and wants to talk to me. It was late at night. I was about done in, and I did everything I could to discourage him to leave, come back some other time when I wasn't on duty. Make a long story short, about a week later, a guy came in and started talking about his room. His bunkmate had told him that he had killed some people out in Jacksonville, North Carolina showed him a bloody knife in the prison we went down no this is this is and in the barracks at uh camp lejeune oh damn as i said i could go on forever about it but we went down and shook him out of the sack as soon as i put the light in his face i realized it was a guy that wanted to see me the week before same guy. We opened up his wall locker. He had bloody clothes, the knife, and uh, we brought him in. It was the guy that we had in jail at uh, the brig was just no doubt in my mind. That taught me right then and there 
even though I had been in the business a little bit, that taught me to don't be so sure. Look a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, as I say, Corrine Laverne, George Welts, this story came out in True Crime magazine about it and all. It uh, was very interesting. So you're a, a Marine. Talk about I am. talk about um, talk about that. What what well, age were you when you went in? Let me just start a little bit further back. Yeah, my uh, I was born <clears throat> into a family. My mother was a store detective for AMP food stores. AMP was a a, uh, a line of food stores for many many years, and. Uh, my father was worked. He'd come out of the Navy in the Second World War, and he went to work for uh, 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 Army Intelligence at the Navy base in Boston. Uh, go figure. And uh, so I had. I used to go out with my mother to A and P's food stores mm-hmm. while she was working, and I would take and in, do in distractions. I'd knock it pile of cans down or something. <laughs> she would stand back and watch the cash registers. And as soon as I made the noise, people all looked the other way. <laughs> Two or three of the checkout clerks <laughs> stuffing their pockets with cash out of the register. Uh, it was just really bizarre. My father, well, if you want to grow up and not get away with anything, have a mother that's a store detective and your father who's army intelligence, you think you, you know, you'd grow up and be a priest or something. <laughs> Turned out I got away with quite a bit. Then I got, in any event, I grew up in south of Boston, <clears throat> moved up to New Hampshire. My family did. And uh, when I was 16, I took off and moved to Florida on my own. Moved in with an aunt and uncle. Yeah. Not by marriage, but aunt and uncle like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Friends of. My mother's best friend and all that stuff. Yeah. And enrolled in school, Satellite Beach, Florida. The Probably the first or the second week I was there in Florida. Uh, what year was this? Would have been. 62. Okay. That gives us an probably idea of. September, September of 62. Gives me this idea of what Florida. You guys, you guys weren't born yet. You know? Yeah, but you know we got gives us an idea historically. You know what Florida was like then. You know, not the big uh, tourist destination that it is today. Oh, it was quite. Well, we first moved down there. We moved to Satellite Beach, Patrick Air Force Base, where they had the tech lab and it's you know Radio Cape Canaveral. We moved from from. Uh, Satellite Beach up to to uh, Merritt Island, which is a beautiful, beautiful place mm-hmm. to live. I've been there. I like it. And uh, I was one day I was driving down South Tropical Trail, which you know it's like being in a a garden wonderland. And I looked out at it, and there's a couple of islands off the between Merritt Island and. Patrick Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I saw a guy standing out there in the water. I 
Sorry's Jeep was parked in the in the bushes. I just for kicks and giggles. I turned around and went back just because it just struck me strange. And the guy was walking back to the Merritt Island from the water. He had on waders. And uh, as he came up, I saw what I thought it was a gun mount that he was carrying out. I'm 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And he he came out and he looked at me and put his stuff away, come over and shook my hand, introduced himself, and uh, and named me. This guy's name was Richard. I named him in my books as V-A-N, Van. It's not his real name. And it turns out that he, uh, as we were talking there at the side of the road, that he knew my uncle, the one whom I lived with, Right. satellite beat. My uncle was in the Air Force, and it turns out he was a card-carrying CIA agent. And this guy, Richard, was basically his partner uh, with the, in the CIA. Yeah. Uh, without getting so too much deeper in it. So your uncle's in the CIA, uh, and this guy's his partner. Yeah, and this guy Richards, obviously CIA. Yeah, he had the reputation. He turned out he lived this next street over from where my mother lived, my parents, and uh, he had a reputation for not being a great guy because he couldn't keep a job. Turns out what he was doing is moving around, infiltrating. He uh, he introduced me to some folks that turned out they were government agents. What agency? You know, alphabets. And what I did for them is go in, <clears throat> first I went into bars at Cocoa Beach and in that area mm-hmm. and got served as at 16 years old. And I get, they would pay me like $60 every time that I would get served and they would go in and bust the club, right. bring them down to the police station, shut it down, bring them down to the police station, have them watch a... <clears throat> Ohio State Police movie, you know, showing kids getting killed, and then release them the next morning. So they have, you know, they got to feel terrible about themselves, not sure. And yeah. but they lost, they lost a few hundred dollars being shut down early in the evening. Yeah, but you got sixty bucks out of it. I got sixty dollars out. Which back then I, I got sixty dollars. Sometimes I'd hit three clubs a night. My father was making $48 a week for Lockheed, my stepfather, <laughs> not the Army Intelligence. Yeah. But my stepfather, $48 a week. And I would go and make, you know, on an average of about $120 a night. So, Mr. Big Time. In any event, uh, easy money. I did a few things for them, graduated into prostitution where i would go out and pick up a hooker oh so you weren't the prostitute (laughs) (laughs) you know i would try to kill time so i could at least get a look but they were too quick in any event i uh uh we had the cuban crisis going on at the time as you wouldn't recall oh yeah they did i know history come on son give me credit in any event, I got uh, I decided to join the Marine Corps, which was really a fake out because everybody that I knew, all my friends in, in the East Coast of Florida, would join in the Air Force and the Navy, uh, and 
you know, heading off to, we would just learn the word Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, everybody was impressing their girlfriends by saying, I'm going in the Navy, I'm going in the Army, I'm going in the Air Force. And I'm standing there with a group of guys when I say, I'm going in the Marine Corps. I come from a long line of Marines, not my father, my uncles, all kinds of people that uh, my relatives are in the Marines, mm-hmm. Second World War, Korean. And, uh, and everybody's saying, what, you're going to the Marine Corps? Yeah, yeah, I'm going down to see the recruiter tomorrow. Now everybody wants to ride with me to Orlando. Well, I go see the Marine Corps recruiter. <laughs> I had no intention of going in the Marine Corps. I wanted to go in later on. Yeah. But I wanted to get my education and what have you. And uh, I, I brought three or four of them with me, parked out behind the Social Security building in Orlando where the recruiter's office was. Walked in the door, and this Marine gunnery sergeant had a hold of me. <laughs> my first step hadn't gone down inside the door. He was hungry. Brought me up there to the office there, and he says, uh, I need to give you a test. Do you want to come in the Marine Corps? I'm saying, well, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about it. Kicking say, tires, right? It's, how many fingers am I holding up? You know, and I said, three. He said, it's the best score I've had all day. You know, <laughs> you're in. I said, well, yeah, no, I'm not going to sign anything. Um, anyhow, at that point, I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Couldn't go in without my parents' signature. Went home, hit the sack. Next morning, sun's just barely up, and my mother's knocking on my bedroom door. So I uh, got up, slid it open. She said, there's somebody here to see you. And I looked behind her, and it's this gunnery sergeant sitting at my kitchen table <laughs> drinking my mother's coffee. And <clears throat> Would he follow you home? Big smile. Yeah. Well, I had given him my address and all that stuff. Oh, oh there's there. your first mistake. Yeah. So it. Uh, she had already signed the papers. <laughs> she wanted to get rid of He's you. holding the papers out in front of me. And so I signed him and, you know, he said all these wonderful things. I was an aviation guarantee. I had flown planes a little bit right. with uh, people who I knew that had their own planes. Yeah. And my uncle was a Marine Corps aviator. But this guy's telling you, this guy's telling you you're definitely going to go in the... Oh, yeah, yeah you're an aviation guarantee. This guy would have t- promised me a Cadillac if I had asked for it, you know. <laughs> so, anyhow, <laughs> you know, a week later, basically I'm on my way to Paris Island. Mm. Were you just like disoriented? You're like, what the hell's going on? Or were you just like, yeah. yeah. And my head was spinning. You oh, know? yeah. It's like, Wow. In any yeah, event, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I had been to Paris Island many times because my uncle lived right outside the main gate, mm-hmm. the Marine Corps aviator, colonel. And uh, so I wasn't that much afraid of what was going to go on in there because I had seen it. I right. figured I can live through anything, especially being raised by my mother. It was... Uh, not not quite as bad as Paris Island at home, <laughs> but just barely. 
Just in man. any event, I got uh, uh, went to boot camp, went to Nam three times, thirty-four months total. Uh, had you know some interesting times. Maybe talk about it some other time. But hey, like you say in your book, <laughs> that, that's a story for another time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to yeah, ask oh, you, you about that, that too. Oh yeah, there, anyhow, there's like several of those. You're like, well, that's a story for another time. I was like, oh damn it. <laughs> but I got, uh, I came out of the Marine Corps. There was some terrible things going on. I, uh, I was CID for Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, base base CID. Uh, what was your What was your last uh, tour of duty in Nam? What year was that? Uh, I came back uh, in August of. 1970 year before I was born. Yeah. August of 70. My son, I was, my son was born. I'd only, only been over there just a few months and my number two son was born. Yeah. August of 70. I, uh, went to camp. I came back and went to camp Luzerne after they let me stay at home for like 40 days after I got back from Nam. Mm -hmm. Then they transferred me up to, to, uh, Camp Lejeune. I had, uh, we had a brand new baby got up there, went to base CID, was with base CID three, four, five, six months, maybe. They transferred me over to 2nd Marine Division CID, where I was chief investigator. And, uh, but I had decided that, that, well, I, the reason why they transferred me, as I already said, I'm getting out. Mm -hmm. The situations were, you know, terrible in the Marine Corps, as they were in other services, but there sure. was a lot of, Killings going on, a lot of murders going on, and a lot of uh, this crazy stuff. So I, and you're talking I get about out of the Marine. you're talking about internally. Yeah, this is right. this is happening. Not you know being a Marine going yeah. to war, and this is internal no, killings this, and this, this is craziness. stuff that was going on. Uh, I mean, just a quick example: a a, uh, a Navy corpsman medic got arrested for what they call secret peeping, peeping Tom, and I knew down right well it wasn't him. It had, but there had been a lot of a lot of trouble with the peeping tom on base housing, mm -hmm. and I went into the provost marshal there at Camp Azern, and I said, "This guy didn't do it. I mean, I just know he didn't do it." And uh, they nearly killed him in in the brig, beating him up. Turned out he didn't do it. Who did do it was the sergeant of the brig. Pinned it on him. But I had, yeah, I had I had uh, gone above and beyond trying to get this this Navy corpsman off this rap. And it was just any, anything that, that they were having problems politically with the Marine Corps and other services, they would just find somebody to pin it on and walk away. Let somebody else, let it be somebody else's problem. But as a CID, but as a CID, I mean, that was your job to investigate and. Oh yeah. Well, CID, Marine Corps CID at that time was what you see on TV in CIS, mm -hmm. that was what, that's what we were back then. And they've, they've cooled it down. They brought the Navy in for NCIS and, uh, uh, the Marine Corps CID no longer does the big major cases. Uh, <clears throat> but when I was in, it was, you did intelligence work. You did, uh, well, read the book, the Phoenix program <clears throat> by Douglas Valentine. There's a whole chapter in there about me. Oh, my troops and it's the phoenix 
the Phoenix program, program Douglas Valentine. Douglas Valentine. Uh, I'm going to. It's a really, really good book, <clears throat> but it talks about what the CIA, the American CIA, and the Korean CIA were doing to promote uh, the promote the Vietnam War, make it look. Um, at the time, we had everybody was protesting it. Sure. There were riots going on. It was just terrible set of circumstances. We, when we came back from Vietnam and we came into the States, we had to sneak in. The planes would have to go to other bases and all. Yeah. You know, whatever the, the schedule was that they were going to fly into this air base or this, this, uh, 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 so our servicemen and women were treated they, at the horribly. last minute. Yeah. Last minute they'd change it. So the protesters wouldn't get over there. Yeah. It, it's a pretty dangerous thing to attack a Marine that's just come out of combat. Well, just to, to you, any service were, service member that's coming back from, yeah, from but, combat like that. They were the just guy's treated horribly. Back and he's, he's half crazy with, you know, everything that's going on. Now that he's going to face some jackass, he's going to throw an egg at him or a tomato. Welcome up and smack him across the face. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> Yet the politicians would make it the Marines' fault. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was like school today. You know, your kid gets picked on by a bully and he turns around and smacks a guy. Your kid's the one that's in trouble. Yeah. Even though the guy's a butthead. How many years uh, did you do the uh, CID? Too many. Too many. Well, I got out, I, you know, as I say, I got out, I just got really over it. Yeah. And I got, uh, uh, I came out of, the, I came out of the Marine Corps and I had a, it's funny, I had a job promise to me. And one of the reasons why I was getting out, not only did I have a wife and a new child, I also had a divorced wife and a, and a son in California. Uh, I wasn't making all that much money. But I got promised a job as assistant chief of security for Walt Disney World. Now, this is wow. before they had opened. And this was like, wow, what a job. Yeah. Turned out the guy that promised me the job, another CID agent that had retired and went to work for, or said he went to work for Disney, worked for uh, Pinkerton Security. He was a security guard. And he had <laughs> promised me this job. It was nothing. It's security. Here I am, Whacking back in Merritt Island, with you know, fistful of air. But I got, I got contacted by a lawyer out of Boston by the name of F. Lee Bailey. I've heard of F. Lee Bailey. Okay, so, yeah, his office got a hold of me. Well, Bailey hired. There was a thing that was called Office uh, Operation Transition. Everybody was coming back from Vietnam and they were being discharged. There was a log where people could go in and they could find somebody, you know, an auto mechanic, a truck mechanic, a driver, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And apparently Bailey's office said it was full of Marines. Bailey's a former Marine. And I think everybody in his office, including the secretaries, were former WM, women Marines. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got contacted by him. Uh, probably a week after I'd, I'd gotten back home and I was out looking for a job. Matter of fact, the FBI had offered me a job and they were 
paying me less than I was making in the Marine Corps. They had offered it to me. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was making about, oh, in the Marine Corps because of my hazardous duty pay, pro pay, uh, all kinds of little gizmos that throw in for CID officers. <clears throat> I was making about thirteen five a year. And the FBI offered me nine. <laughs> so, I, but I still, I had this great job offer for Disney World, which turned out to be baloney. Yeah, the Wacken Hut kind of deal. Yeah. And then you get contacted Thank by you. F. Lee Bailey, which F. Lee Bailey, for our listeners who don't know who F. Lee Bailey is, he's a criminal defense attorney, uh, famous for a lot of different things. Uh, um, he was the defense attorney for Sam Shepard, uh, the Boston Strangler, Albert DeSalvo, uh, all the way down up to O.J. He was involved with the O.J. Simpson trial, which you know probably a lot of our listeners are are familiar with that. Um, so just to kind Probably of give, one of the greatest lawyers that's ever lived. Yeah. With the exception of Pierce down there. <laughs> <laughs> He's still building any that event, reputation. I had, He's uh, still young. I got this call <clears throat> from his office telling me to, that, to go to Orlando and get on a plane, be a ticket waiting for me, and fly into Boston and meet with Lee Bailey. Now, I knew who Lee Bailey was because I lived in Massachusetts during the Albert DeSalvo Boston Strangler days. Mm -hmm. Everybody was terrified. It was just a terrible state of it. And uh, Bailey Bailey uh, uh, actually defended Albert DeSalvo after they discovered who he was, and uh, which sort of brings me into it because the guy who caught him, who figured out who he was, was a guy named Andrew J. Tooney, Jr., Andy, Bad Andy, they called him, another former Marine. He was chief of the Strangler Bureau in Boston when trying to find DeSalvo. And uh, he found him and somehow contacted Lee Bailey to defend him. I don't know, really understand how that went. Mm -hmm. He told me one time while he was drinking his Tangeray's gin or whatever the heck it was. And uh, <laughs> I forgot exactly how it went. But... I went up and I met with Bailey, and he uh, is really a great guy. He got himself in trouble over the years, but he was, you know. Well, when you're high profile pissed, like that, yeah. It's yeah, he pissed a lot of people off. In any event, I got uh, sat down with him. He interviewed, interviewed me and then told me that his chief investigator, Andrew J. Tooney Jr., was missing. And they had done a trial someplace in Missouri or Kansas, I can't recall where. And he uh, hadn't seen him in two weeks. He never came back from, I guess it was Missouri. He'd never come back from Missouri. And Bailey says, if you can find Andy and get him back here because they need him on a, uh, to testify in the case, you can find him. You got a job. So I said, how the heck am I going to find him? I knew, of Al, I knew of Andy Tooney. I'd read the papers about him, too. <clears throat> uh I when I left Bailey's office, walked through the outer office, and his secretary called me over and says, "Does Bailey want you to find Andy?" And I said, "Yeah, that's my job. If I want to have one, I got to find him." She gave me a piece of paper with a phone number on it. She says, "This is Andy Tooney's mother's phone number, lived up just north of Boston." And uh, so I called her 
I left the office and I called her and just told her the truth. I'm trying to find her son. If I could find him, I had a job. She told me exactly where he was. So it turned out not a day ever went by that Andy called his mom. Right. So I called the hotel he was staying in, Kansas City, and uh, asked for his room number. And uh, some guy answered the phone, sounded vaguely familiar, uh, and put Andy on the phone. It turned out Andy was quite the drinker, really, (laughs) quite the drinker. And uh, the guy who answered the phone was Danny Thomas. Anyway, you've heard of... Danny Thomas, like the... uh, The Danny Thomas. The actor guy? Yeah. Was it Marlo Thomas? He did a lot of... Father of Marlo? Marlo's father. Yeah. Right. He, uh, whenever Bailey was defending some bent nose, he would call in Danny, and Danny would testify that he had known this guy half his life, and he was the greatest guy in the world. And it really made a difference with the jury. I mean, they would believe him. Because of Danny Thomas. I mean, yeah, Danny Thomas, you know, he should have worn a halo. I mean, seriously, I got to know him, and he was just a great, great guy. And this opened up this children's hospital in mm-hmm. Tennessee. Yep. And uh, just a, a great guy. In any event, I told Andy who I was. I was you know, a former Marine, just got out of the Marine Corps. Gave him a little history of what had happened. And uh, he says, all right. He says, I'll, uh, I'll talk to Bailey. He'd been, on a, he'd been on a drunk. It was like around the Marine Corps birthday. If you <laughs> if had not been in the Marine Corps, it won't impress you. You've been in the Marine Corps, the most important uh, day of your life, besides the birth of your children and what have you, is the Marine Corps birthday. All right. And I mean... It is big time. Uh, so who was drunk? So, Danny Thomas? Oh, both Danny and Andy would go on these binges. Danny, okay, and, both of them. They'd drink, they'd drink for two weeks straight. <laughs> you know, I didn't. You know, I wasn't there with Danny. I was there with Andy a lot. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a drinker. Never had been. I mean, not that I hadn't drunk, but I never got hooked on it. Right. In any event, he... Uh, he went ahead and called F. Lee, and uh, I went back over to the office, Lee's office, just as he had gotten off the phone with Andy. And he says, well, he says, you got a job. He says, I want you to go back down to Florida and, and work with, gave me the attorney's names, mm-hmm. and, uh, a big, huge corporation he did, he was represented. And he threw me a, a, a roll of money, a roll of cash. And I had really never, ever counted it, but it was thousands. He says, you know, get yourself some clothes. And uh, <laughs> You're going to work for me, kid. Get a suit. <laughs> yeah, report to this guy in, in Orlando who uh, I was going to be assisting yeah. as an investigator. And well... Personal security was my forte at that time. I used to, I did Bob Hope, I did Nancy Sinatra, all kinds of different people that came around. John Wayne, mm-hmm. all that they come over to them, and I would be in charge of their security details. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. Nancy Sinatra, Nancy Bob Hope. Wow, you got to meet all those people. These these boots are made for walking. Nancy oh, Sinatra, she, and her, yeah, she was hot and her husband. Yeah, she uh, she was really a talented lady, but 
Yeah. I don't think her father let her get out there too far. Oh, let her go to Vietnam. Well, she uh, she was traveling with the the Bob Hope. Uh, what do they call that? You know, he would go over there and entertain the troops. Yeah. Well, they had a number of different things: Operation Entertainment, mm-hmm. the Bob Hope thing. You know, just uh, and Bob Hope was quite a guy. But the probably my favorite person along with I ever stood security was Martha Ray. You oh, probably t- don't remember. No, her. I, the Boy, name. She was, yeah, the name. Was she a comedian? Martha or was she a Ray, singer. She was just an entertainer. She was singer, entertaining, but just a really, really good person. Yeah. Moving on from there, I went to work for Bailey and did many, many. I, I probably met every attorney in the world because Bailey, you know, they like to be associated with them. Mm-hmm. If they could, if they had on their letterhead said, you know, F. Lee Bailey up in the upper right hand corner, you know, they got, they impressed their clients and got big cases. Uh, Bailey got indicted 1973 Bailey along with this big businessman in Orlando and the, it ended up in a hung trial well Bailey got out of it anyhow he, he, before they even went to trial the judge had let him out of it yeah it's just formality and the prosecutors were going to recharge him but they didn't uh, too well connected the, he's too well connected oh I mean, you talk about watching that O.J. Simpson trial was just incredible because I knew I knew all the moves Lee made. I could tell when he was about ready to nail somebody. Yeah, he just did a certain little quirks that he would do. In any event, he got uh, he got O.J. off. Yeah, at least for a while. Well, uh, yeah. and then he got indicted again uh, in Florida for. Uh, uh, taking money from a defendant that the judge had, had ruled was ill-gotten gains. And, and Lee didn't have any money left to pay back to the court. The court was saying all this money was, was drug money, so you can't have it. Uh, they wanted it back. He didn't have it. And uh, he eventually got defrocked, yeah. disbarred. Uh, he just, just died not long ago down in uh, West Palm Beach area. Uh, See, he, but anyhow, I went to work for him. I did that. June third to the trial. June third last year, he was age eighty-seven. Died in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, was he in Atlanta? Oh. That's what it says. Right yeah, here. that's right. I, I knew that. I knew that. Yeah. Uh, I think he was in a hospital. Yeah. He was disbarred in two thousand and one and two thousand and three uh, for misconduct. Just for for what you said there. But he didn't get. They couldn't shut him up. Uh, he had lost his wife back. Not long after the 2003-2004, that really, really upset him. Even though was, she was about his number six wife, this one he really loved, and it it uh, dragged him down. So, talk about some of the some of the because what you did, as I guess you would investigate when he had a case, you would go and you would you know get the surveillance. Well, he had yeah, he had uh, he had a ton of people that worked for him, but the the uh, person I walk, worked most co- closely with was Andy Tooney. Down in Florida. Andrew J. Tooney. And uh, uh, we we investigated everything from people ripping off the, the business, all for this big corporation in Orlando. <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, I had a Learjet that flew me around. It was, it was quite the gig. 
It was a lot different than Vietnam, I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Got to ride in the rear bumper of a Jeep. Uh, I was going to say, unless you were in the CIA during Vietnam. I wasn't CIA. I was never CIA. Yeah. I always have to (laughs) remind people. I was CID, Criminal Investigation Department. And CIA, if you read the Phoenix program, the book, you're going to find that the CIA weren't very nice over there. Yeah. Were, they were attempting to make the war look like it was like we should be over there fighting and killing these Viet Cong and North Vietnamese regulars. Uh, when in fact, the, most of the atrocities were being done by agents of the CIA, mm-hmm. Korean CIA. Uh, and I caught them. Uh, read the book. I'm going to. I've added that to my. I've added that to my. But I've got to get through your books first, and I want to do that before we run out of time. So I kind of wanted you to give just kind of a background, so our listeners would get an idea of, you know, what you do. You know how how you how you relate to these books. So so talk about the human trafficking aspect. uh, How you got involved with with that. a number, I guess, 20, 25 years, <clears throat> opened up an agency in Florida and opened one in Connecticut, uh, had them both going, had 22 investigators at work for us. So you're doing private investigations? Yeah, private investigators. So ma- like Magnum PI, you're a private investigator. Yeah, well, <laughs> just not as tall. <laughs> in any event, I got... Uh, uh, but equally as up. good looking. Come on now. Yeah, right. right. He didn't have this blonde flowing beard. <clears throat> Actually, he, he I did think he that, does now. He did have that big mustache, though. He always he always had that signature yeah, mustache. Boy, yeah. Big stash. Uh, yeah. Uh, I uh, started doing all just all kinds of cases, uh, and you know, you talk about. Uh, People suing people for no reason whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I get involved in a few of those. I didn't like it. <clears throat> but like I used to tell my clients, while I'm investigating this, I'm gathering evidence of the entire picture. So, I mean, we didn't do a lot of domestic divorce cases at all. But what we did normally was children were involved in it. And they, did everything we could to protect the kids. Mm-hmm. But normally, the the spouse that's claiming another spouse is cheating mm-hmm. was normally the one who's doing the claiming was doing the most cheating. Right. <laughs> so, but back, I guess, in eighty, about the middle eighties, we started getting involved with missing children. Matter of fact, we opened up a, a, a organization called the Bureau of Missing Children. I didn't stay with it long, but I was—I uh, helped them out. Was that a private into, organization or a governmental organization? No, it's all private. Okay. We found that the the uh, the government wasn't doing a great job on it. Now, with a you know, with 10,000 kids going missing a year, out of the 10,000, probably 
50, 60 of them were legitimate kidnappings. The rest of them were parental kidnappings, the non-custodial parent. Sure. Yeah, you get the family related type stuff. Yeah. Right. You got Amber alerts now and nine out of 10 times they're looking for the father. They're looking for the mother. Right. And I'm surprised I haven't, I usually get at least one of those a day on my phone, an Amber alert. Yeah. Uh, And those, as I say, are, I mean, you, when they tell you there's 10,000, a hundred thousand kids missing a year, a lot of those are parental we didn't we didn't get invested in you know, involved in many of those, although we did. Uh, what we were mainly finding out is that a lot of kids, young women, young men, young babies, infants, were being stolen or or kidnapped and turned into money, whether it be for you know pornography, whether it be for uh, human. Uh, Slavery, uh, yeah, you, you know, transplants, <clears throat> body think parts, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, think of you know, all right, you're a, a multi multi millionaire, and somebody tells you that, you know, you have heart failure, and you're probably not going to live a year, but you're a multi multi millionaire. There are organizations around the world, probably every country of the world has them, that you can. Put a special order in for this a particular person that's compatible to you or to your children or to your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not legit organizations. And, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So they would go out and these bad guys and uh, kidnap the perfect match yeah. for this uh, person. Now, I have heard that. There have been as much as a hundred million dollars paid for wow. a particular transplant. A hundred thousand, a hundred million dollars for somebody's heart. Good grief! But they're also they have people that are rich that'll just buy another human being, it's a child or a man. To travel around with them, that they ever have anything go wrong? They need a kidney. They need a liver. They need a heart. They need irises. Uh, all kinds of different things. They have them. They literally will travel with this kidnapped son of you know person yeah. to keep him doped up all the time, so he doesn't try to get a she or they. And, and in my book, you'll see. Although yeah, I had to be and, very careful not to write these books without. <clears throat> revealing who they were so that they they wouldn't, you know, the, the people who felt they owned them wouldn't go after after we rescued them. Yeah. Uh, and or that we wouldn't get in trouble with the law from some of the things we did. Well, what I like to tell people about my books, my books are fiction. My books are fiction. So you say. But every, <laughs> everything, everything in the book is true. Except the felonies. <laughs> Except the felonies. <laughs> Alyssa knows a thing or two about firearms. The gun store where she works and the folks she instructs would vouch for that. She spends most of her time on the range and in the classroom, teaching others about firearms and the fundamentals of shooting. On her days off, you'll likely catch her somewhere in the back country with her favorite firearm, a 
Kel-Tec KS7 at just over 26 inches. This short, slim second cousin to the KSG is lighter, but no less lethal. The shotgun's 18.5-inch barrel offers plenty of velocity, and its ample magazine tube provides a healthy dose of firepower with its 7-plus-1 shell capacity for go-to for home protection. Alyssa loves the carry handle and fiber optic sight she got on her first KS7, but is equally enamored with the Picatinny rail kit she put on her second. Why settle for one when you can add another to your already awesome collection of Keltex? Innovation. Performance. Keltec. So, for our listeners, um, the first book in his series, the Jake Storm series, is called Stolen Angels. And it is about um, child trafficking, human trafficking. Uh, and it goes into some really... Uh, shocking details as to uh, this this dark seated business, and you know I think more and more of it has been brought brought to light. But you know I think there are some things that people just are completely unaware of. Like you said, the body parts. You know, people being kidnapped and stole and held against their will. You know, for years until they need in some cases, until they need those body parts. And they're keeping these people right. drugged and sedated. And, you know, their family members think they have, you know, passed, you know, long past, but they may still be alive in, uh, in, in this capacity. But then there are some other people that get kidnapped, like you said, and they're just sex slaves. Um, or somebody wants a baby, you know, with babies that are kidnapped. And somebody wants, a you know, a white blonde haired blue eyed baby in another country and you know they'll steal them and then raise them as their own children but i mean for all kinds of different reasons but the money is insane and i don't think you're exaggerating the money uh that you know in your story here on on, on these deals because you like you just said a hundred million dollars is an actual real real case where you guys had discovered that right Oh, I'm <laughs> no felonies in there. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah I'm just saying. I'm just saying the reality of it is that this is real and this happens. This happens every day, yes. and it's, it's these... just not. I mean, I I've written a book, and that's the thing that was tough writing those books without revealing who it was you were talking about. But this and is or where you were actual real life based on a true story kind of kind of deal. Right. The names and, and things have been changed to protect the, the innocent, so to speak. But but the way that you tell the story, I mean, it's very detailed. And even though it is a work of fiction, you know, you have to have had some real life experience with this. The you know, not just not just the you know, the kidnapping instances and the, the tracking people down, but you know, you said you've got an aviation background, and you go into a lot of detail on on flights in here. You know, flying a plane and flight plans and uh, boats. You know, um, knowing the maritime lights and if you're coming in or out of port, and uh, the different engine types, and you know all that. So, I mean, you go into some really good detail 
on some of this stuff. It's not just like, you know, they took a yacht and they cruised it in and cruised it out. Um, the level of detail that you go into with this and the firearms too. I wish you'd go into a little more detail on the firearms, but, um, uh, well, my, my new book that should be out within next. Oh, I like to say a couple of months. Mm -hmm. It's called, uh, destination despair. Uh, is uh, I'm going in a lot deeper on weapons and uh, is that another Jake Storm? Oh yeah. Okay, another Jake Storm. Yeah, there's there's gonna as long as I live, there's probably going to end up. I can optimistic be another hundred books. Oh yeah, I mean you've got a lot to tell, like you know, from these books and. And as you say, you'll you'll in your book you'll go into talking about something, and you say, "Well, that's you know for another story." And you know, I take that as, "Oh, there might be a book coming out to maybe go in more detail about you know what happened." Oh, what's happening in Nam, you that, know, or whatever. When I brought out that book, the first book, uh, "Stolen Angels," it uh, I had just about everybody that read the book would say the same thing. We hated to see it end. Uh-huh. They would slow down reading it because they could see the end of the book coming up. So the blue oh, so- <laughs> book, Homewood Angels, yeah, Homewood Angels is an extension novelette to to uh, Stolen, Stolen Angels. Angels. It's called Homewood Angels. Okay. It tells you, gives you a little idea of, of once we've rescued them, how we've managed to get them back to the families. You'd never felt anything so rewarding as to watch the parents embrace their child who's been missing for, in some cases, years and watch them at an airport. You signed this take one. And walk. I got and this one signed. Walk. <laughs> you got what? I said, I got th- this signed? one. Yeah, you actually signed that one. And, and you signed the uh, blue one and the green one. So, I got I got the actual autographs on that, not a sticky note signature. <laughs> but well, if anybody wants to have a signed copy, all they have to do is contact me through my website, and uh, they can buy a signed I'll copy there. Yeah, I'll make it happen. Very cool. And uh, so and we don't have all the time in the world. However, uh. If in fact th- there are certain groups around the country that, are, that originally worked for me, and they're doing a lot of the same things, a lot of lawyers involved in it. Mm-hmm. If somebody has a real problem, they're welcome to send a note to my website or even to my email, and uh, we'll see what we can do for them. And you're talking about if they have a missing loved one. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So you're still kind of involved with that, that world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't just look like I'm as old as dirt. <laughs> I am as old as dirt. <laughs> Although I, I still have some shoes that, uh, that, uh, are older than me. Oh, I do too. I do too. <laughs> but I wanted to say that, you know, you, were, you I wanted to disagree with some of these people because I can't read it fast enough. Because you know you're you're chasing, you're chasing this this guy, 
And it's just like one of those, and I don't want to give the book away, but it's like, oh, you know, just missed him here. Oh, just missed him there. And it's just like, hurry, hurry, hurry. You know, you got to you gotta get on your horse and you got to get there, you know, kind of thing. So it's, I'm quite the opposite where I can't. This is truthfully the way things work. If you go to the movies and you see, you know, a, a great movie with, you know, a handsome movie star, <clears throat> and they go after a, a particular uh, end game mm-hmm. and win right at the end. We can, I mean, in reality, in this business, it's a disappointment after a disappointment after a disappointment. However, every time that you you uh, fall back because you've missed them, like you say, just missed them, but it puts me closer puts yeah. us closer than where we were yesterday. It reminds eventually, me. Eventually we catch up rem- and we're relentless son of a bitches. I'll tell you. It reminds me of the, the movie. Um, is it national treasure where uh, Nicholas cage and they're, you know, they're looking for the, the Masonic, uh, you know, treasure or whatever. And, it's like one clue leads to another oh, clue, yeah. which leads to another right, clue, yeah. which leads to, you know, it's just never any. So this kind of, you know, I get mad at you because I think, all right, this is where he's going to catch him right here. He's got him nailed. And then it's like, oh, that's not it. And then, you, you know, then you get the next clue and you're like, oh, we're just, you know, we're just minutes behind. We're just, you know, a day behind here, a day behind there. And um, it really, it, it really gets the reader involved and it makes you think you're there with you the way that, cause I feel like I'm, I'm there with, with you and Sorensen and uh, Gage and you know, all the guys. And, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm there and the, you know, the details, like I said, that you go into with, with the flight plans and the, the street maps and locating these places. I mean, you can tell that you've done your research and you've either been there, spent some time in all these places um, or you did, you know, you it did has, a really good Google Maps search. <laughs> think about having to write it without revealing where you were, who it was, what have you. That was the most difficult thing I've ever undertaken in my life. And, but it's, it's become easier and easier because I can now feel my way out. And even though you don't want to see it end, we never give up. Never, ever give up. Yeah. You know, even the, with the people who get frustrated with us, parents are saying, you know, you've been working on this for a year and you know, we don't know anything. That doesn't necessarily mean I don't know anything. I just, you know, you can't tell people a great deal because they need to, to speak with other people. Yeah. You know? But you got to uh, so, think that you're dealing with these multi, these people who have, endless supply of money and resources that you're up against and they can, you know, it's like you said, trying to find a needle in, you know, in a haystack kind of thing. And, you know, you know, my son Pierce lawyer sitting down there in the bottom square. (laughs) Welcome to Hollywood squares. He spent many, many days, nights, months in safe houses because there was people after us, after us. Yeah. And uh, although, you know, he, he was too young to remember it, his uh, 
some stuff will be coming out in my future books. And then look what he's grown into. Uh, I mean, he's a, I mean, even despite all your great upbringing, look what he turned <laughs> turned out to be. <laughs> right. yeah. He's uh, he's an attorney. <laughs> I'm quite proud of him. His sister's an attorney too. My daughter Kaylee. Well, looky there. She's an attorney down in uh, Bavard County, which is where Caltech is. Coco Beach. Yeah, Coco, Florida. Yep. I love it down there. It's beautiful, and that's you know that's you do a lot of. Um, uh, descriptions of that area in your book too. And I, I would assume that's because you've spent a lot of time there, but just, you know, the Hong Kong, the, the Rio, you know, going to Rio and all the detail in the streets and the hotels and, uh, the way that people act, you know, you've just, you've got demeanors down. Uh, it's just, you just do a really good job and it, it captivates and captures. It, it does me anyway, and I can't recommend it enough. So, uh, if people want to buy your book, I guess they can go. You've got a website, is that what you said? What's your website? Yeah, Pierce can. Uh, Pierce, give can us. You that. put it up, Pierce. Yeah, so his books are available exclusively on Amazon. Um, we just put up a website, jakestormbooks.com. Okay, hold on. I'm going to pull um, that up. Yeah, it's jakestormbooks.com. And if you wanted to email um, him directly, it's jakestormbooks at gmail.com. Jakestormbooks.com? Yeah. Yeah, we just published the website literally this afternoon. So hopefully it's up. Um, just for this show, a you, bit of you work, got it up there, didn't you? Pretty much. So Something we've been meaning to do for a while, but it, um, hey, it works. I'm glad I could uh, Yeah, if you go, that. if you click... Um, you can click the books available, the the link down there. Uh, that'll bring you to the first one. But then there's links to each book on the books in order tab as well. Okay, and that's where I'm at here. So you can go and get Stolen Angels, Homeward Angels, and then the San Andreas Fault. Yep, and there's a link at the bottom for each of those. A um, little blurb about the author and a way to contact them. And here is the Amazon page that you can go to. And is uh, is there's an audio available or Kindle? There's a Kindle available. Kindle. There's a Kindle. No audio yet, uh, but Kindle and paperback. Very nice. And it's only four ninety nine on Kindle and only thirteen fifty paperback. So very cool. And I, uh, let's see, here's the other ones down here. So the other ones are down here too. So yeah, they're all on there. Yep. The links are directly from on the, uh, the books and order tab on the website. Now, would you prefer um, them so to those, go to the, the website those, or to Amazon to, to buy the book? Whoa. Uh, whichever, Oops, um, there it is. it's, uh, probably easier to find through. Now, come on. When are you going to get website? his uh, Instagram set up? You got to get him an Instagram set up, Facebook. Yeah, we're working on that. Twitter, all that. <laughs> now that uh, Elon's yeah. taking over Twitter, you can uh, get set up on Twitter there. There you go. Um, but yeah, either way, it's um, but what's the really good brings you directly to those, and if you have to jump through a few few hoops if you go through Amazon directly. I got you. I got you. But you know what I find fascinating about this is as you get into this world, it reminded me a lot of. You know, the the Jeffrey Epstein stuff that we've heard about here recently? 
I'm seeing a lot of that in this book uh, as well because you're getting a lot of high profile figures politically, um, you know, in the entertainment that that are involved with this too. So there's a lot of politics involved that that make it even more difficult for these children to be found because you've got all these political influences that don't want the truth coming out. And, you know, I know you say this is a, a fictional book, but that's, that's the God honest truth is that there are political figures involved. And we saw that with the Jeffrey Epstein case and people dying and getting killed because they, they didn't want the truth coming out. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein did not hang himself. (laughs) (laughs) Did you catch that? (laughs) Yeah. But, um, you know, and that's the world that you, that you have lived in for, you know, all these many decades. And like you said, you know, you've had to, you've even had to put your, your family in protective custody because of that. And, uh, have you personally had any, um, attacks against you i guess politically where you've had to go to court and defend yourself and i don't recall you don't recall <laughs> <laughs> well, had, i mean i yeah, just i've had well no i haven't i haven't got to the court thing it uh, uh we have too much of the truth yeah we know too much yeah and uh in order to Come and knock on my door, right? You, uh, you better have some backup. Well, I mean, you got some right there, over to your right there. So. Well, that'd be your left. Yeah. That'd be your left. Over yeah, there. it's opposite. <laughs> and when you get into Homeward Angels, the next book up from from Stolen Angels, yeah, you're gonna see we we sort of touch around that famous. Oh, I need to stop. Famous. Uh, folks and how and what they've been involved in so yeah and then your third book what's the third one about what's the um san andros san andreas fault play on words san andros oh san andros just the the the, uh the big uh, island in the bahamas yeah andros island is the biggest island in the bahamas the north side of that island, there's a community called San Andros. I just use that ah, as a uh, gotcha. part of the of the. Uh, so it says, know, Jake Storm is summoned to duty once more when an ins- when an innocent man is incarcerated on San Andros Island for a crime he did not commit. But Jake's investigation into the case takes a nasty turn when he discovers high-ranking government officials and even modern-day Nazis are hot to shut him down. Soon Jake learns there is no escape from pure evil, Darth. A Jake Storm novel. I've heard that before. What's that? <laughs> pure evil, Darth? <laughs> that thing you just read. <laughs> In that, any event. That it's... sums up that what this book is about. So, uh, if you... Th- it's a... It's a... It's an interesting book. Most folks don't know about it's a little thin Operation Paperclip or uh, uh, 
uh, Operation Overcast. After the Second World War, they had a whole bunch of German scientists and, and uh, you know, guys that actually started and ran our space exploration. Mm-hmm. These are, you know, these Nazi rocket engineers. Yeah, we stole all our all their scientists and brought them over here. Yeah, right. And uh, we, uh, and not just that, but folks that Nazis that knew, <clears throat> I'm losing my voice here, Nazis that knew the, uh, the inner workings of uh, uh, the Soviet system. Mm-hmm. And so they brought them over and, and put them to work writing down everything they knew. But then they had to do something. They had to put them someplace. So they did. And I'm not necessarily saying they put them up in San Andros. As I say, I just use that as the background. <clears throat> but the uh, these Nazis were, uh, well, uh, that book is, is fiction also. And if, if I get too too deep into it it's going to uh it'll spoil it yeah well, so we don't want to don't want to spoil time. it definitely don't want to spoil it so like i said i'm only on uh 17 um chapter 17 chapter 17 i'm on chapter 17 you see it right there and uh we, we just, i think we just got off the g5 with the two hot pilots the two hot chick pilots uh <laughs> with the hidden right. Millennium dumbs. Falcon cargo bay where you got guns and and money, you just recovered all this 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 money and stuff, and now you guys are headed to Thailand. I believe that's where we're headed now is Thailand. So that's where I'm at uh, in the book. And as soon as we get off here, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna start reading some more. So <laughs> I'm gonna finish it up. But all right, well. But we got to have you Enjoy. back on um, when you said That's you got another one coming out. Um, when do you think you're going to get your next one? Your next. Uh, well, uh, I should finish it within the next couple of months. If I was to go, to, you know, balls to the wall, I'd have it done in a week. Yeah. It's uh, I've got a lot going on. Uh, of what, you know, in my business and what have you. So, yeah. As soon as I get closer, we'll we'll keep in touch. I'll keep in touch. Okay. With you. Now, but it, uh, once you finish the book, it has to go in for editing, and then yeah. from uh, matter of fact, I've got about a hundred pages done in uh, uh, Destination Despair, and I've already had those hundred pages have already been edited. Now, uh, and all the same characters in. Uh, uh, in the green book and the uh, San Andrews fault, all the same characters, gauge the tree, the major. Oh, so the tree's still the, with us. Good. Good. I like yeah. the tree. Yeah. He, he's a pretty big boy. Is he based on somebody, you know, they're all based on people, people I know, or oh, they may be, a, a, Amalgamation Maybe two of a or three people, of people in the same, yeah. you know, I'm describing. But yeah. no, I've been with the tree for Lord knows. So I noticed uh, 
and again, I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but you know, we're talking about the the firearms because there is a there's a lot of firearms uh, references in this this book, uh, silencers, um, and you know, when we watch the old movies, the old James Bond and uh, you know the spy movies, you know, they're using twenty twos a lot. You know, they're not they're not pulling out high caliber rifles or pistols or anything like that. They're doing a lot of a lot of small caliber type pistols. And, uh, you know, that really kind of hits home in this, in this book too. Uh, I, I was paying close attention to the, the different firearms and guns that they were using. And of course what they were acquiring, uh, some of them along the way. But I got to ask you about this one reference that you did. Um, and you said, Tag, tagged along like a Chris Christopherson song. <laughs> what did you mean by that? You know, you know what I'm, I'm talking to about? Recall. I didn't mark it, but I was just like, that's that's interesting. Because I know who Chris Christopherson is. And you're like, he tagged along like a Chris Christopherson song. <laughs> well, no, there's uh, there was a song that Chris who is a friend of mine, too, by the way. Oh, you know him personally. You knew him personally. Cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, this one here, We the last time uh, my wife and I saw him, uh, Chris was in Orlando, we had to get a babysitter for Pierce. And uh, I think it was the first time that we had ever well, – he was six months old before anybody knew about him at all except immediate family, because at the time we were doing the uh, Iran-Contra. Mm-hmm. So I loved him in Blade, but then even before <laughs> that, where was that? what was that trucker movie that he was in? Oh, I can't remember what it was called. It's, it's, I think it was back in the 70s, maybe. Convoy. That's what it was. Convoy. You remember that movie, Convoy? There was a song on it and everything. Yeah, the, the, you know, awesome. going back to to uh, tag along, <clears throat> he had written a song about a and it's crazy. I can't pull it out of my main housing group about a a girl that grew up and was tagging along behind him. Forget the name of the song; it'll come to me. Huh? Probably tag along. No, it wasn't tag along. It was. Uh, Let's see. I'll shoot. find it here. Well, that's that's my point. Uh, so he had a song that was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a song uh, where the theme of the song was is that this you know this young girl followed him around like a brother, and here comes. I can't get Bobby McGee out of my head, and that's not it. <laughs> but uh, the little, you know. Me and Bobby McGee is one. Jody and the Kid. Jody and the Kid. There you go. Jody and the Kid was, uh, I probably should have written that better. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, it's it's kind of vague unless you know Chris Christopherson and, Right. I mean, I know who Chris Christopherson yeah, is, but know, I didn't get that reference. So that's what it was. I was like, I know Chris Christopherson, but I'm not getting that. So, yeah, I had he, to ask you what that was. And of course, there's tons of of marine references 
uh, in the book. <laughs> it's a it's an homage to the Marines. Uh, I think the entire book is. Um, but yeah, it's a great yeah, I read. Get it. I had fun working on the doggies. You know, the Army guys <laughs> saying, you know, by the way, you know, that's uh, sixteen hundred. It's four o'clock for you Army guys. You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just, you get. I mean, I have you get your jabs many, many in there, so you you kind of break the things. what's that call where they in the movies where they look at the camera and they talk to the camera. So you kind of talk to the audience break you break the fourth that wall. fourth wall. Yeah, you break the fourth wall in this book uh, a few times, which I thought was was good. I like that too. Uh, but yeah, I really uh, am enjoying this book, and I'm looking forward. I've got a trip coming up that I'm going to definitely finish it on. And you might give me some tips on where I'm going maybe uh, to keep me safe and, and uh, out of harm's way. And we'll talk about that offline. But uh, so the website, you guys can go to uh, it's jakestormbooks.com. And there's uh, some information there and links to where you can buy the books or you can go to Amazon. Uh, You can get the books there, too. And are we giving away one or two, a couple of books to our to our listeners? Is that what you want to do? Yeah, two. You'll give away two of the of this one. You can have. You want, yeah, I'd rather have people read the first book. Okay, let's start off with the first book. Absolutely. So we're going to give away two of uh, William Johnston Taylor's Stolen Angels. And the way that I'm going to do this is it's first come, first serve. So the first two to email me, talkingled at gmail.com, send your name, your address, and if I respond back to you, then you'll know that you've won. If I don't respond back, that means you didn't win. Uh, but the first two people who email me, talkingled at gmail.com, reference this episode, what episode it is, what number, uh, and then put that you really want a copy of Stolen Angels by Mr. Bill Taylor here. And anyone who buys the book and would like it personalized – do the same thing. Just contact it. Now the <clears throat> don't contact uh, me. Contact him on his website. So you go to his. You go to his <laughs> website and you contact uh, Mr. Taylor, and uh, he'll make arrangements to get you an autograph copy that you buy. Um, and I guess the two that we give away, you're going to sign those. Certainly. For our, you're going to say two leadhead whoever, and uh, get an autograph copy. So that's nice, man. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. And then I also have an extra copy of this, uh, but I'm going to share it with, I've got somebody in mind that I want to share it with already. So I'm going to um, share the love. Now, what I also do from time to time is I loan my books out to my friends, uh, but they eventually are supposed to be sending them back. So when I get done reading this, uh, I have uh, somebody that I'll probably loan it out to and let them read too. Um, But very good. Um, we got to have you back. Definitely got to have you back. You, you were killing me with the, the back stories cause I want to hear more about your, your history and what led you to your walk of life that you're in now. And, uh, we could do a whole nother two or three shows on that. So, uh, our goal today was to talk about your book, uh, let our listeners know about your book, a little bit about you. And, um, we're going to have you back as long as, as long as you'll come back. Be my pleasure. That would be great. Let us know what you want to do. Okay. Well, we'll definitely, we'll keep in touch. Uh, But thank you, P. 
Pierce for for making this happen, setting up, arranging it. Um, Certainly, really appreciate Thank you for it. having us. Oh, absolutely! And like I said, you're welcome back anytime. And I'll probably be in touch with you when I get done with the book too, just to let you know that I finished up, and I may have some more questions about maybe some of your references that <laughs> that Go I didn't get that went over my head. <laughs> You've got my phone number, so absolutely, I do, I do. So when you ignore me, I'll. This know. is funny, you know. This this is a mirror image, the screen. So when I go to salute you, it's a left-handed salute. So I'll shoot you with a real left-handed salute, but it'll look like it's my right. There you go. <laughs> all right. And all of you Marines out there, Semper Fi. I love it. I love it. So Leadheads, uh, go check him out. Let him know how much you appreciate him being on the show and that you want to have him back on. And uh, Pierce is on the Instagrams if you guys want to hit Pierce up. <laughs> You can hit him up and your P Man three what is it? P Man three oh one. P Man three oh one on the, the Instagrams. And I know that he is registered, you know, he qualifies for that optic that we're giving away. He's he's one of the ten, uh only ten that really want to get that optic from primary arms. I like my chances. And I you know, it's I'm gonna announce the winner of the next AK corner. And just to let you know, if you're listening to this right now, I've probably already recorded the AK corner, so you're probably shit out of luck. But <laughs> that's what you get. Um, you gotta, you snooze, you lose. You gotta listen to my shows. You gotta pay attention to my shows because I drop clues and we give away cool stuff all the time. And you just never. And know you gotta what. listen to the end. You gotta listen to the end. Sometimes you gotta listen at the very beginning too, because I know a lot of people will skip that that very beginning because sometimes I sneak stuff in before the intro music also so if you're a diehard listener you know this and those people are the ones who get in on all the cool stuff like Pierce and like your buddy like your buddy Nutsack Archer is that his name? (laughs) (laughs) might as well be he he changes his name uh, on Instagram so often so um But go and uh, support our sponsors, Mission First Tactical. Go to their website. Use the code LEADHEAD, 20% off. Seal1, seal1.com. LEADHEAD, 25% off. 1776 United. You see this awesome shirt that I'm wearing today that says, Die Terrorist Scum. You can get that. Plus, you can get our official Talking Lead logoed T-shirts, patches, the LEADHEAD Brigade logo patches like that. T-shirts also, Leadhead Brigade. You can go to 1776 United, use the code TALKINGLEAD, get 20% off there. Factory 47 for our AK Corner uh, official apparel. Factory 47F-A-K-T-O-R-Y-47. Use Leadhead, get 10% off there. Defiant Munitions for your ammo needs. You get some great high-quality ammunition. Defiant Munitions, use the code LEADHEAD, all caps. Get 10% off Defiant Munitions. Medicine in bad places. You need to get your IFAT kits uh, ordered up. You need to get supplies for those. Go to Medicine in bad places. Use the code LEADHEAD20. Lowercase LEADHEAD20. You get 20% off Medicine in bad places. Uh, And then, of course, Caltech. Caltech Weapons. Use the code LEADHEAD. Get 15% 15 off in their Pro Shop. Uh, anything non-firearms related there. So, guys, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And until the next episode, Leadheads, as always, keep your loved ones close. 
Your firearm's closer. And make sure you get your copy of Stolen Angels by William Johnstone Taylor. Psych you out in the end. Good boy, son. Suck it.